Hello, my little strangelings. On this podcast, I discuss the world's folklore, myths, legends, and superstition. I explore what these stories meant to the cultures that shared them, the different uses of lore in our modern day entertainment, and the history of it all. Join me along with some guests as we discuss lore throughout history and review television and film that feature supernatural and folkloric elements. Welcome to Folklore Friday. When you think of witches, werewolves, and vampires, what comes to mind? Black cauldrons, wooden stakes, silver bullets? Breaking a mirror is seven years bad luck. Never open an umbrella indoors. It's bad luck to see the bride before the wedding. You spilt the salt. Quick, toss some salt over your left shoulder. And avoid the number 13. Look, there's a shooting star. Make a wish. A four-leaf clover is a sign of good luck. Hang stockings at Christmas. Kiss someone special on New Year's Eve when the clock strikes midnight. Hi, my name is Megan, and I love folklore. Yep, you heard me. Folklore. Myths, monsters, legends, superstitions, little weird sayings that we all say but nobody knows why. All of it. Now, you might think, So, who cares? (laughs) Why should I give a crap about folklore? Well, I'll tell you. I guarantee, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, your ancestors had folklore as a part of their daily lives. This is something that every culture has. It is a global concept. It is part of the history of humanity, and it's part of our present day lives. Have you ever heard phrases like knock on wood or fingers crossed? Technically, that's folklore. And do we know where that came from? Or is it just something that we say and we don't really question it? By definition, Folklore is the traditional beliefs, customs, and stories of a community passed through the generations by word of mouth. See also mythology, lore, oral history, tradition, legends, and fables. So why study it or listen to this podcast? Because knowing and understanding folklore gives us a sense of community and connection. You could meet someone that grew up on the other side of the country. Say you have different religious beliefs. Say you're different ethnicities. But I bet you've heard some similar urban legends. You start sharing those stories and suddenly you have an instant community connection. And better yet, you start sharing different stories and you're going to be intrigued and then you're going to learn. And that's even more fun. Lore has so many positive benefits. It can also shape who we are as individuals, as families, as communities, societies, cultures, countries, everything. Folklore or folk tales can teach children good morals and warn of consequences of bad behavior. Take Santa Claus and Krampus as an example. Santa's lesson is to teach kids that good behavior should be rewarded. And Krampus, the anti-Santa Claus, teaches the concept that bad behavior has consequences. This 
helps give children the idea that you have a choice over your actions and you should strive to be well-behaved. Well-behaved children go into reasonable adults sometimes, and that therefore makes communities thrive and a society function. If a society was full of, of criminal behavior and unlawfulness, it would be chaos and it would fall apart. That is one of the reasons that folklore can shape ideas and concepts for the better. And then sometimes it's not that deep and psychological. Its purpose is to just scare the living tar out of us. But that is also fun because, again, it gives that community connection. Learning about someone's belief system can help you understand them as an individual. You can have insight of where they're coming from and their perspective on life. And sometimes it's just wildly fascinating to hear stories of myths and monsters and try to analyze what it all means, especially if it's outside of your own cultural context. This podcast is half history of origins of different aspects of lore, and the second is entertainment, reviewing TV and film that have supernatural or folkloric elements. And I know I might have some horror fans. You always got to be careful how you say horror so it doesn't sound like you're just saying horror, especially in a podcast. So horror. I might have some horror fans out there that are hoping to get reviews. Sometimes when I say I'm into folklore, people's first response is, oh, have you seen this incredibly bloody movie that's sure to give you nightmares? Um, no, I have not. Let's be clear. I'm into lore, not gore. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with horror. I get why people are into it. Death is this inevitable thing and it happens to all of us. So obviously, we're going to be curious about it and the different ways it can happen and looking at and looking at different representations of the flight or fight response and looking at it in this safe way so that you can analyze something dark from a distance. I understand that there's psychological benefits to that so that people can process that. I totally get it. But does that suddenly cure me of a squeamish stomach? Nope. Sorry. <laughs> I want to say it's my thing, but it's just, it's just not. Do I appreciate a good thriller? Absolutely. Do I appreciate the artwork and, and all of the work that go? Yes. I'm just... A baby. So, <laughs> no, and I absolutely love thrillers, especially ones that bring me in and they're psychological. Just tell me when to close my eyes when it gets super bloody. <laughs> and I think it's because I am just really squeamish. For example, my friend was telling me a story once. She was just simply telling me a story of how someone that she knew accidentally shot herself in the stomach. She was okay, but it, you know, it was, it was bloody and, blah, and she was just going on and talking about this wound that her friend had and I had and I started my <laughs> really embarrassed thinking about it and literally like I had to tell her I think you gotta stop telling me that story and I started getting lightheaded and then I passed out <laughs> I passed out we were riding she was driving I was in the passenger seat and <laughs> and when I came to she was like put your head between your legs <laughs> And so, yeah, horror just kind of like triggers that a little bit. I just 
I, <laughs> I don't know. But as far as doing reviews, I have been waiting for an opportunity to review TV and film. I took a film class a year ago through school and I thought I loved movies before, but now I appreciate the craftsmanship that goes into it. Now I look for different camera angles and lighting and costuming because all of those things work together to paint this picture. And if it's done right, all of those things can enhance the storyline. And it's uh, it's like a completely different experience. Now I, I now I love analyzing things. And as far as watching creepy things, I've always kind of been into that. <laughs> you guys, this is my jam. Here's a good example. When I was 21, one of my favorite things to do was to host these X-Files nights. Mind you, this was in 2011, at least a decade after the X-Files was on air. And this was before Netflix and streaming was mainstream. I think one of my roommates got a Netflix account, but it was still very, very new. So there wasn't a lot of options. So I had all the DVDs because that's how much I wanted to go back and revisit this show that used to scare me as a child. <laughs> and then once I got over that, I was like, yes, everyone needs to watch this. <laughs> I would invite people over and, and I was actually really surprised at how many people were into it. And when they came over, I would say, okay, guys, which one do we want to watch? And then I would read the episode description and then we would all vote on what we wanted to watch. And I was lucky enough to be renting a house with four other girls. So we had this big living room. And I think the most people that we had over for one of these nights was like 15 people or something because they were they were in the same boat as me. They were kids when this was on. It was this thing that was scary, but also kind of interesting. And so it was just... <laughs> But I still couldn't believe people were coming over and they were watching this show from the 90s. But hey, you have got to give it up for the classics. That show was very well done. So you could say this is a long time coming. I guess I just needed to find the right format where I could discuss and analyze things like this. So besides a love for The X-Files and other creepy types of entertainment, what qualifies me to talk about the history of folklore? Well can't say much except a deep interest. So how I came into studying folklore, <laughs> I wish it was more interesting, but it's not. Um, my brief backstory, I've always been fascinated with it. Um, why do we even have stories of myths and monsters? Why do we do the weird practices that we do? I've always been, I've always been drawn to it. I always found it fascinating and interesting. Anytime there was a TV show with something in it, I was like, yes, this is my thing. And for me, I was definitely attracted to the darker side because I found it interesting. I thought there was a lot to be learned and kind of like analyzed, but I thought, well, <laughs> this isn't a good use of my time. And hate to say, I was worried about what other people would think because it's not like you can just in a random conversation, say something like, aren't you curious about why people are so freaked out about the Ouija board? Like, where did that come from? Man, people come out of the woodwork to shut you up about Ouija boards, even if they're not religious suddenly. They're scared of them. So things like that, it's not, in, it's, you know, it's not like the easiest thing to be like, I'm really curious about this. But one day I took this questionnaire for something and it was the simplest question. What is something you would like to learn more about, but you're embarrassed to admit? And I was like, <laughs> folklore, <laughs> because I was embarrassed about it. And at that time, I was on this big self-discovery kick. And so I was completely primed to just like fully take it on. And I realized, 
Huh. Well, it's kind of a waste of time to be sitting around thinking about what others might think about me and letting that dictate my interests. So I went to town and I have researched and I have researched and I couldn't stop. I would say for, oh my goodness, yeah, past two years, I've just been learning and learning and keeping like notes and and documents and like and piecing information together on, on different types of history or lore and, you know, in another life. I think if I had figured this out earlier, I would have been a folklorist. But, you know, this is my life now. And I know that this is a big interest. I don't think I'm going to go back to school for it because I've already done that because I've already gone back to school and now I'm primed and ready to go to be a graphic designer. But I do really want to do something with this. So I started making videos about folklore and that was really fun. And I was able to use my video editing skills, but I... I didn't want to only talk about a topic for, say, eight to 10 minutes. So I changed course and I and I really I got to tell you, I really resisted (laughs) doing a podcast because everybody's doing a podcast and I just didn't want to be like, oh, that's fun. Let's do what everybody else is doing. But here's the thing. I can't let that stop me either because this is my podcast and this is a really, really great format for what I want to talk about. So I learned how to edit and I learned, you know, how to do I'm not amazing at it, but I learned and I was gathering like materials, meaning equipment. But I was also in school. (laughs) Going back to school in your late 20s, it's a treat. But uh I wanted to wait until I was done with school and I'm almost done. I have like a couple more classes and then the craziest thing happened. The coronavirus. Yes. And so suddenly I had a lot of time on my hands and a lot of really kind of depressing, stressful things that I wanted to be distracted from. So I decided that this quarantine is not going to beat me and I'm going to do something with my time. I'm going to do this because this is something I've been wanting to do. And I'm not going to worry about being perfect, but I'm going to do my best and completely accept that it's going to be rough in the beginning because I am learning, but I don't want that to stop me. And I have so many notes just bursting at the seams for potential topics to explore. I have documents upon documents upon documents that I've just saved and saved and saved. I've been doing this for two years. And so finally, I am ready to share it. So let's get into it a little bit, shall we? Now, because I'm a nerd, there's a few different types of folklore, and I find them all fascinating. Okay, so there's oral folklore. This could be tales, stories, urban legends, lore, and basically anything that's told through word of mouth. There's material lore. So think objects. Think of an object that is believed to bring good luck, a four-leaf clover or a rabbit's foot. Now, let's talk about a rabbit's foot for a second. I I don't know where that concept came from, but I have to figure it out because it is straight up creepy. Did anyone get a rabbit's foot as a kid? I did. And only later on as an adult, I thought, man, you really don't question things as a kid, do you? So <laughs> it's just if you just think about the concepts and ignore what you've been taught here, child, here is a body part from a dead animal that was made into a keychain and you rub it for good luck. As a kid, I didn't question it because my parents gave it to me all smiley saying, yeah, isn't that neat? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it's not neat. It's very disturbing if you actually think about it. What the heck? It's a creepy sadist thing to carry around a dead body part. I just, I don't understand. But when you're taught this is normal, then it becomes normal. And you have to take that into consideration. Sometimes you hear about strange practices from other cultures and especially from history. It can seem just ridiculous and make zero sense. But you have to think about what did they believe? What were their concepts? What were their views? What was their perspective on the world? If you think about people that were afraid of, say, the supernatural, it's because they didn't know any better. To them, that was real. Okay, getting back to it. So yes, there's material lore. So any type of objects, it can also be positive things too, like jewelry or something passed down from family to family, religious symbols, anything like that. And the number one <laughs> object that comes to my mind is a Ouija board. Man, people freak out at the concept of spirit boards. Then there's belief lore, religious, cultural, all of that. It can also be family beliefs, a family tradition. And under the umbrella of belief lore, there are practices and rituals. For example, prayer is a ritual. Multiple religions pray, but they don't all pray in the same way and not to the same deity. Then there's cultural practices. It's bad luck to see the bride before the wedding. Something new, something borrowed, and something blue. And also games can be practices like Bloody Mary. Okay, so those are the different types of lore. And here are the different groups that lore is shared. First, there's society lore. Think urban legends. One of the most popular ones here in the United States is razor blades in Halloween candy, even though there's only a handful of cases where that was actually found to be true. And horribly enough, it was actually the parents of the children that put it in. It wasn't directly handed out to the neighborhood. And by stating that it's an urban legend, I am in no way saying that it is illogical and, and stupid and a waste of time to check your children's candy for razor blades. It's a completely good practice. Continue doing it. But if you look at the numbers, they are surprisingly small. It was only a number of, goodness, I want to say like two counts. And one of which is a parent who had put actually poison in his son's candy, but his cover story was that he thinks that a neighbor did it and put other things in there as well, like razor blades. And so, and I believe it was the parents just trying to get life insurance, which is horrible, absolutely horrible. And then the legend of razor blades and Halloween candy was born. Again, great practice to check your kids' candy. A lot of sickos out there. Keep doing it. But that's one of the main urban legends that Americans know. Then there's community lore. Think superstition or tales that exist in one's community. Did your town have its own ghost stories or urban legend? Or have you ever <laughs> gone on vacation and you're like, have you heard the legend of the such and such? Ooh, like <laughs> sometimes it's kind of fun to hear what different communities have as far as that goes. Or schools, some schools have their own ghost stories. These are urban legends or say like a summer camp, there's a specific place in the woods you don't go because then you're never going to come back, stuff like that. <laughs> then there's lore that adults use to tell their children to keep them safe or to keep them in check. Okay, on this topic, I have to bring up in Iceland, there's a very, very scary myth of a witch named Gryla that comes out around Christmas time to eat naughty children. 
if you think Krampus is scary, Gryla is 10 times worse. And she has like little troll minions that can do her bidding for her. And she can also control the weather and create catastrophes. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's some very, very creepy images of her eating babies. She's very powerful and very scary. And the thought is, if you're bad, then Gryla's going to come and eat you. Or one of her troll sons is going to come and snatch you and drag you through the woods. Just check, just like Google Gryla the Witch and you'll find some really terrifying paintings of this gnarly, gnarly looking woman just like eating babies. And parents would tell their children, if you're not good, Gryla's going to come and get you like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hit you, kid. But if you're bad, Gryla might come and eat you. It was so terrifying to the point where the government at the time stepped in and said, hey, Parents, you can't scare your children into submission with tales of Gryla. True story. In 1746, a law banned parents from using the Gryla legend to scare children. And the law had its desired effect. But instead of killing off the legend, it was simply adapted. And over time, she was painted as fun and cheerful. And her Yule lads became silly and funny rather than her troll minions that would come and fetch naughty children and drag them through the forest to give to Gryla so she could chop them up and cook them for the family. <laughs> and the last one is children lore. And children means childhood spanning to adolescence. Anything from step on a crack, break your mother's back to light as a feather, stiff as a board. And did you guys ever play MASH or the little paper fortune tellers? Do you remember those? What's your favorite color? All right, pick a number. Now I'm going to tell you a future. You're going to marry so-and-so and you're going to live in a blue house and have two cats and one dog. Yay. But you, you pick four. You're going to live out of your car. <laughs> And for the second half of the podcast is entertainment. Part of the reason I wanted to do entertainment and reviews as the second kind of base of this podcast is because it's interesting. How many movies have you seen a year? What is your pastime? How many people are streaming? How many people are just consuming this media? And I'll be looking at a few of these things when I review these types of things and looking at how we're using these stories in our modern entertainment and the possibilities that telling those types of stories have, the type of metaphors we can show and symbolism and why it's so dang entertaining. That's what I want to know. And I want to know what you think about that. So when we review these stories, we'll be looking at how they're used in literature, TV and film. And then we will compare that to how the lore is in history. So what is actually lore and what is Hollywood? It's very interesting to think that we have so many supernatural type stories in the modern day and age. We know that these things are most likely not possible, but they keep popping up in entertainment and often they can be very successful. Just to list a few, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Twilight, but even though I have some issues with Twilight. Mostly their relationship is unhealthy to me. You can't deny it was a very successful series. And when it comes to vampires, multiple television shows that were successful, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, True Blood, The Vampire Diaries, which has extended into the originals and now Legacies, which is my favorite, I must say. 
Oh, and the reboots everybody's doing? I mean, look at it. Charmed. Roswell, New Mexico. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. They even took Nancy Drew and added a bunch of ghosts in it. Everything is just being revamped and just sprinkle a little bit of supernaturalness on it. The show Supernatural, 15 seasons. I mean, come on, guys. 15. It's one of the longest running sci-fi slash fantasy shows ever. That is a 15-year job for all those people. And in the entertainment industry, especially when it comes to television, you're lucky if you get anything over four is like almost a miracle to get continued funding for that. And it, anyways, I could go on about the show Supernatural. It was genius, but it just goes to show that showing these types of stories when done right, there is a particular draw to them. And I want to know, why is that? Why are we fascinated by it so much? And I hope not only to bring you some entertainment and a different perspective on things, but I hope that maybe you can find the inspiration or the fascination that I found. Because by studying this topic, by studying these stories and how they span across different cultures throughout time, in these, I find these, these common emotions, these innate human reactions to things. Fear of what is not understood. A desire to protect oneself and those they love from danger. A hope to understand ourselves and to not give in to our darker desires. And last but not least, explanations for the unexplained. I find all of these in almost every single folk story that there is. I can just see it. These people struggling to understand and not necessarily making the best decisions, but you can see the motivation. There is always a reason. There's always something that these stories and beliefs and customs provide. And that is wildly fascinating to me. History has never become more alive to me than when I read these stories. And I hope to offer you the same experience. Thank you so much for listening to my introduction episode and hopefully you have a better idea of kind of who I am and I'll get much more quirky as time goes on. (laughs) But again, I'm going to reiterate that during the time of this recording, it is April 2020 and we are in the midst of the corona crisis. And that was my big inspiration to do this podcast, A, because I have time, but B, I, this is what I can offer right now. I don't have a lot. Let's be clear. I make minimum wage and I'm a 30-year-old college student. So, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I have have a wonderful husband and we live a modest life and we're happy. But this is what I can do right now. I can't really offer to buy you groceries, but I can tell you some stories. And I'm hoping that this will be a good distraction and that even after this, hopefully I'll hang on to some of you and you'll want to come back and and learn some more about the history of humanity and the stories that we told each other throughout time and the stories that we tell now. 
because it's a big passion of mine and there's so much to be learned. I hope that you're staying well and healthy and sane. Stay sane out there. Learn to look at what you have rather than what you don't have and know that this is all temporary. And maybe, just maybe, we can get through this together. I hope you join me next time on Folklore Friday. <laughs>